for the first time in over a century, fixed odds betting on horse racing powered by betmakers is now available on track at Monmouth on Monmouth races. And soon it's going to be available throughout the state. And you're going to be able to bet at Monmouth on other tracks as well. This is an exciting new way to bet that really puts the power to get value in your hands because the odds you bet are the odds you get. You're going to be hearing a lot more about fixed odds betting opportunities across the In The Money Media Network, and you can try it out yourself if you can get to Monmouth currently racing on Saturdays and Sundays. Check it out, and to learn more about the betmakers, you can go to their website as well. Hello and welcome to the In The Money Players Podcast. This is our show for Monday, May 16th. I'm your host, Peter Thomas Fornital, back with you in the Brooklyn Bunker. Once again, we kick off this show, which is going to have three segments total, with uh, somebody who was on here last week. Of course, we recorded this whole thing, looking forward to the freak mistakes before the big headline of the week then dropped about Rich Strike going to be skipping this opportunity for the Belmont Stakes. Oh, well to that. But we still got an interesting race, and we've still got from... Well, she's actually from the hotel room now. But this morning, he was on the grounds at Pimlico. Naomi Tucker, our Maryland correspondent, the host of Talk Racing to Me, and a frequent guest on this program. How are things, Naomi? Very well. Uh, yeah, unfortunately, we did just hear another horse that won't be lining up in the previous in Uno Oho. So that's a, a bit of a shame, but still looking forward to drawing the post positions later this afternoon for the Preakness Days, as well as the Black Eyed Susan, which is actually shaping up to be a very, very deep field of talented Philly. So also looking forward to that one. But of course, the middle duo of the Triple Crown, very excited uh, to be seeing the likes of Epicenter. You know, I'm very glad that we'll be having him here. Hasn't arrived uh, on course yet. Also, early voting course for trainer Chad Brown, uh, which is a horse that is following a similar path as Cloud Computing uh, did when Cloud Computing uh, won the Preakness Stakes in 2017. So uh, still plenty of intrigue and uh, interesting sort of possible setup in this year's Preakness. There definitely is. And we'll run through some of the key contenders in a little bit more detail. As you point out, we don't have um, too many horses on the grounds just yet. We will be having past performances, though. What, what can you tell us about the draw? I assume, you're, I th- assume you'll be all over this one. It's happening later today, right? It is indeed uh, 4.30 p.m. ET. will be live-streamed on uh, Twitter and Facebook. Uh, Brittany Urton uh, will be hosting. I'll come in uh, to give some analysis on uh, possible pace angles and, of course, just running you through the field a little bit. So I've definitely had a look at the Preakness field uh, and the Black Eyed Susan field already. But, yeah, you can be finding those uh, past performances later today when the fields have been drawn. few little programming notes. We're going to have a special show sponsored by our friends at Maryland Jockey Club for Black Eyed Susan Day. We'll be going over all the stakes. Naomi, I'm hoping we can find a time. I think that's going to be audio only. I I know you're completely insane this week, but any chance you might be able to find some time Wednesday to go over that stuff with us on a separate pod, or, or is this all we're getting from you until Thursday? Let me, I'd have to go and have another look because I do also, I do have some prior commitments already on the Wednesday. What time would it be? Like, we'll work around you. We talk about, we talk about these production meetings in the show all the time. <laughs> this is a pretty good one. We could, we'll follow up off it. We'll hopefully have you for that. If not, folks can get your insights in a number of places. And we're definitely going to have you for our Preakness Final Answer show, essentially, which is going I'm to be. I'm sure I can find some time in between. Just that go some commitments in the evening and then I've got some meetings in the afternoon and then I'm, I'm overseeing the cameras and the track work in the morning. So I'm like, maybe in between. <laughs> it's a little, you're working a little too hard this week, but I guess it really <laughs> is. If you work for Maryland Jockey Club, this is the week. We'll hopefully find some time to- Most explore. important race for us, for sure. We'll have some fun with that. And then we'll have some fun on Thursday night, 7.30. That'll be streaming live on YouTube. You're going to want to check that out. While we're doing um, these programming type notes, want to let folks know- about uh, some other cool stuff our friends at um, america's best racing and the jockey club they're having this party 
at Wednesday night in Baltimore. I'll make sure to tweet about it. I will post the link in the description to buy tickets to that. Are you able to go to that or do you have other stuff going on? That is on my list of activities on the Wednesday. So yes. Come hang out with me and Naomi at, uh, I think it's the Mount Washington Tavern. It's called. I do believe it is. I've been there a couple of times now, especially because we had that uh, elongated previous meet last year due to COVID that we were here longer. So quite frequently when the traffic was so bad that it was more than two hours for me to drive home, I'd go there order fries, drink some red wine, and just kill some time watching sports on the on the TV sets in there. So yeah, I know the place quite well. Okay, good, good, good. And it is cool. I was there for the, the pre, the, I guess it was back in, um, pre, it was pre-COVID, so it was 2019. Um, we, I, did, I, I appeared at this party and we had a lot of fun. So folks are definitely going to want to check that out. Um, again, I'll post the way to buy tickets in the comments here. We want you to join us for that live stream. But let's get back to Epicenter. You did an amazing thing with some, 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 some impressive sorcery and have created early past performances <laughs> for this race. Well, I just did, sometimes it's a fun exercise. You just look through a race really actually deliberately quickly mm-hmm. and just try to see the race like the world is going to see the race. And when I do that with the horses that remain for the Preakness, I, I, I don't even know how short Epicenter is going to be in here. I mean, he, he looks to me at, at a first glance, it feels like he, like four to five would be maybe even a good price on him. What do you think? What price is Epicenter going to be? How big of a favorite are we looking at here? Oh, I unfortunately, I think you are in the right vicinity there. I'm hoping that he's not going to end up shorter. But the fact that we do have in a total eight horses now lining up isn't going to help with his value. It would have been great to have a couple of more horses in there, but it is the way it is. Look, Epicenter looks incredibly strong in here the uh, very unfortunate for him and connections so of course steve asmussen looking for that elusive uh, kentucky derby win that he did get napped by that huge long throw in rich strike in the kentucky derby because epicenter ran a winning race just like he did in the louisiana derby just like he did in the risen star this is an incredibly talented individual who has done nothing but progress tick all the boxes shown that he's no need the lead type he can sit just behind the pace this horse literally will do whatever you want him to do. And, and I spoke with Steve Asmussen and he was saying how proud he is of, of the physical specimen that that horse is and how he's been able to develop. It has nothing but praise for this horse. So I find it really hard to go against him because when I was doing the PPs, I actually like to put them in order of possible speed. So I had early voting, perhaps on paper being the fastest early epicenter very fast early too but he doesn't need to go to the front so it could be perhaps early voting or we're going to talk about him in a second Armagnac, the late addition here for tim yak team who seems to be running better when he's at the head of a fest than when he's kind of taken back as we saw in the santanita derby derby uh, drayden van dyke took him back he was fighting him a little bit and hence perhaps didn't perform as strongly but who knows he was also going up against the likes of Tabor and messier so very intriguing uh, how the pace setup might be here because I also spoke with Chad Brown and he said with early voting, they would actually prefer to possibly have a target for him to, to chase. But he did say if that target didn't appear or wasn't there, they'll go and take up the running. So very intrigued here. Looking at it so on face value, I'm thinking it might just be the California-based Armagnac that will go to the front because he's so comfortable being on the lead. And epicenter, Joel Rosario, just being patient or perhaps, depending, of course, on the draw, sitting on the shoulder, pressing, sitting on the tail, and early voting just next to that kind of first flight, just behind the leader as well. So really intrigued to see how that how the draw might play a role in that and who will end up leading. But, of course, it isn't going to be a pace like we saw in the Kentucky Derby with Summer is Tomorrow, Dubai-based uh, runner, Crown Pride, the Japanese invader, they went very, very fast. And we don't have any types like that lining up and that will be doing that. At least that's my expectation. Then again, anything can happen as we saw in the Derby. Armagnac is an interesting runner to touch on who we didn't talk about mm-hmm. at all in our last video because he was a bit of a surprise entrant in this race. The figure from the last race, I've seen different figure makers having it a bit all over the place. He looks a bit slow, but it is possible mm-hmm. that number is a little bit faster than what we're seeing. And you can't help but notice that maybe his form is a little bit um darkened up you could say or maybe just maybe it's more accurate to say it's a little bit better than it looks given you know how sharp forbidden kingdom was 
when those two met. And then, of course, uh, Taba. I think we can excuse Taba's run in the Kentucky Derby off the off all the too much, too soon angles, et cetera. He, he ran into Taba when he was very good. Um, not going to have to deal with either of those rivals. Obviously, Epicenter, you know, belongs squarely at the top of this uh, market. But I don't know. Is Armagnac maybe good enough to have a say, not just in the pace, but but at the finish? What's your gut on, on him? I mean, my, my initial uh, gut feeling when they said that they were going to point him here, SF Racing, of course, and Starlight Racing, saying he's just in the you know the upswing, this is the right time, we're going to take a shot. I thought, wow, possible pace injection, like I just described. This horse is certainly going to have something to say early. Is he good enough to have something to say late when going up against the likes of Epicenter and perhaps early voting? Not 100% sure, but I do think that he's a fast, improving individual. He gets Irad Ortiz on board three times, a clip champion rider, which we know means he's going to be aggressive with him. And Irad Ortiz has never won the Preakness before, ran second with Midnight Bourbon in last year's renewal. Of course, he wants to win one. Armik has to take a step forward, but I don't think that's beyond the realm of possibilities, although Epicenter does look like a very, very tough runner to beat in here. Sometimes when you have a really short-priced looking favorite, another exercise I'll do is say, okay, I just know the crowd is going to cotton to this runner, and I know it's going to be very hard to get value. Now, I'm not saying that's the case with Epicenter. I, I think he still may well end up being my selection and the horse that I, that I want to key around. But just for an exercise, the – Take a look at the race with the as if the favorite wasn't in there, and then who who you might be able to make an interesting case mm. for. For me, that horse in this race, the horse that I go for when I do that exercise, the horse I go from wanting to beat because of the attendant hype that she will have to tip my hand. Um, but like Secret Oath just starts to look really, really good in this race, and maybe too tough to get a to make it any kind of stand against if epicenter doesn't you know if the real epicenter doesn't turn up not if he doesn't make the start again i think he will and i, and I think he's going to run well but you know we're playing we're, we're having some fun here and, and going through different exercises secret oath starts to look as good as anything else signed on in this spot i mean is this um you know i i, I kind of wanted to be against her but actually looking at the pps in front of me makes that game a, a little bit harder what are you hearing about her? I know you've had a chance to interview Dwayne Lucas several times. What are you hearing about how she's doing? How do you think she's going to perform on Saturday? Um, unfortunately, I haven't heard that much about her in the last couple of days. Of course, I was there in the Kentucky Derby listening to Dwayne Lucas. I haven't been able to catch up with him since, but I know she'll be arriving later today, hopefully 4 p.m. ETA. So really excited to see how she's looking coming into this. What I do know is that when we had Swiss Skydiver coming in against authentic Kentucky Derby winner, Nobody was really giving her that much of a chance. They thought she was up against this. I'm not making that mistake twice. So secret oath, looking at the race she came out of, the Kentucky Oaks, we knew how strong of a renewal that was. With multiple unbeaten fillies in there, as well as the champion uh, two-year-old filly Echo Zulu. That was a tough race, and Louis Size just did everything right with the pace setup that is expected in here we've already talked about possible early voting armagnac epicenter might just press how about even creative minister who actually popped at the start last time out ends up sitting behind the leaders but has got a little bit of pressing ability if needed i think secret oath can sit that perfect trip behind the miguel behind them excuse me again uh, louis size was so patient on her in that kentucky oh such a masterful ride just letting her sit back saying don't worry mama we've got time moving her off on the outside and when they slowed down on the backside she closed in that space just a perfect textbook ride secret oath certainly is capable of going against these. We saw that in the Arkansas Derby, unfortunately things didn't go her way, but she belonged there. She absolutely held her own. And I think that is the case again this year. And of course she is hoping to become that seventh Preakness victress in 2020 Swiss skydiver 2009. Rachel Alexandra uh, was able to do it after such a long drive. I think it was 85 years, 19 24, Nellie Morse was the last one to have bested the boys in the middle due of the triple crown before that. So it will be a wonderful story. And I do think that she's up to the task. So much has been made, and we're going to have a whole show on these airwaves tomorrow debating the structure of the triple crown and how it's evolved over time and whether or not the five weeks is still 
the right thing. And, and part of I have case, strong opinions on that. Well, we'll get we'll, we'll, we'll bring you in. You were okay. we'll bring you in on that. But where I was going with it was, I do understand that the the a, a big part of the argument is to do with modern training methods. That even in the last twenty years, fifteen years, trainers have evolved, and they don't want to run horses back on two weeks rest. Not true necessarily of Dwayne Lucas. This is a guy who obviously was training 20 years ago. He was training 30 years ago mm-hmm. and has made a habit out of being able to bring horses back and, and you know, clearly has no issue with, with the short rest. That's the other thing. I, you know, is that an advantage that, that she, Secret Oath, might have even over a, a oh, runner like this? Give me one second. Excuse me. <laughs> I think it's room service trying to come in. Not, uh, they, <laughs> they, they were knocking on my door. <laughs> like, um... <laughs> Did you send them away? <laughs> I think they didn't come in because I think I've got the latch on. I, I... Got you. Well, they, uh, they didn't come they... in, so we're good. We're good. We're no, just, you're right. Dway Lucas interruptions and animal interruptions. It's all <laughs> it all happens on these airways. But so yeah, you my my theory was that you know in a sneaky way maybe Secret Oath has that advantage over everyone in the field, even the paper. Look, Dwayne Lucas is cut from the old cloth. Like you said, he's been training for a significant amount of time. We call him Coach Dwayne Lucas, not for nothing, for the fact that he has educated a fair few incredible trainers. Uh, of course, a top pledge, first one that comes to mind. Love Dallas Stewart as well. So many good trainers because he's been around for that long and he knows what he's doing. Um, I actually was, the first thing I thought of is, when I was speaking with uh, Bill Boniface, who won the Preakness in 1983, I do believe it was, um, with dep- deputed testimony, is he was saying the same thing. It feels like it's not the, it might not be the horses, it might just be the trainers thinking they need to give the horses much more rest. Because he ran deputed testimony in the Delaware Stakes the week before the Preakness, because he said he needed confidence. He said he needed to get his hopes up. And then came back and won a Preakness in the slop, on that sloppy service. Donnie Miller, Judy, a fantastic ride on the inside. If you want to go have a look, uh, it's a it's a fun one to watch. I, I made a feature about it, so it's, it's also out there. Not plugging this shamelessly, clearly doing that. Um, but to that just time over here as well, so that's okay. You're so there you go. Great feature there on, uh, on Mr. Boniface, uh, the horse that he bred, raised, and trained, and then won the Preakness Stakes with. But Dwayne Lucas, this is a two-week turnaround. If he didn't think she was up to snuff, he wouldn't be bringing her here. He's also not afraid to bring her around on two weeks. Yes, I think it's very doable. Uh, perhaps I'm also tipping my hand here as to my opinion about the Triple Crown. I, I'm pretty sure it has a little bit more to do with the human aspect of it than really the horsey aspect, to be quite honest. So I think this is absolutely fine. If she came out of that race, well, like we've all heard that she has, like the way that they're talking about her, can't wait to see her later this afternoon. I think that that she's ready to fire in here. And I think that race did her well because that was just such a dominant victory. She came from behind. It's not like she was gunning it on the lead, running so, so hard. Like sometimes we do see Phillies do that, right? You see them going for it. You see that they're giving it their all. Then you would wonder about that two weeks turnaround. Then you would go, ooh, not sure. She didn't already give whatever she had to give right there. I don't think that was the case with Secret Oath. It, it's a good point. Now, I, w- I do want you to expound a little bit more about your thoughts on the Triple Crown. It sounds to me like you have the, 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 the view that if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And it's really the humans who maybe need to, it's not, a, it's, if the horses are fine with it, maybe it's the humans who need to, to adjust their way of thinking. Is that a, a decent Well, it's, it's, I think it's a really complex um, subject that I was trying to come at from different points of view. I think from the horse point of view, like you highlighted in the past, I think it is doable. It's not meant to be easy. It's a triple crown. We don't want a triple crown winner every year. That would take all the shine and all the glitter away, right? It's the triple crown trail, that hope, was one of the things I fell in love with here in the US. Because back in Europe, there's much more space between the triple crown. It barely exists anymore. Because there's so much space, because people aren't focused on it anymore, it's become a byproduct. That's not the case here. I, I don't want it to change because right now we are all focused on it. Now, from the point of view that you have a Kentucky Derby winner that decides not to line, well, the connections decide not to line up in the Preakness, there is so many angles to take it. One, of course, for, for the sport, for all of us are going, okay, this is, this is not great, right? We have this triple crown. It's supposed to be very prestigious. Why aren't you going? But on the flip side, we have that sentiment of do what's right for the horse, do what the connections think benefits the horse's campaign the best. They have every right to do that. So there's there's two sides to the coin. One of it, are we annoyed 
with the, the connections that they aren't going because we, in our minds, perhaps it isn't good for our sport, right? It isn't good for our product. Well, unfortunately, fun fact, this, the sport isn't paying the bills for that horse, right? The sport isn't supporting them when things go wrong, when things don't turn out. So they have every right to say, we aren't going to do it. Perhaps this isn't for us. If we as a sport want people to go and want people to, we have to start thinking, how are we looking after the participants in our sport? How are we encouraging this? How can we support them? And if one year after maybe a couple of years or a decade or more that we haven't seen that Kentucky Derby isn't going to the Preakness, that is okay. I don't think it damages our product as much as everyone thinks it does. I don't think that calls for a huge overhaul of the product. I don't think that means there's anything wrong with the Triple Crown. I think it's just a harsh reality of the fact that are we putting the sports interest, are we looking at from this collective point of view over the individual that doesn't owe anything truthfully to the sport, aside from the fact that, you know, they had an incredible story, incredible Kentucky Derby win. That, that was amazing. But they got there on their own accord. So I, I'm really sort of in between on this. But the one thing that I am sort of that I have made my mind up is that I wouldn't change the Triple Crown because I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think it's more the complexity of the public view and us as a sport and how are we treating one another? How are we looking after participants and is it that fragile that one Kentucky Derby winner go not going to the Preakness is going to diminish the triple crown not not in my mind there will be much more on this topic tomorrow we got a whole show on it looking forward to Sorry. that <laughs> oh, great I, I I love getting I love your enthusiasm and, and and your thoughts on the topic and it's good it's like a sneak preview a little bit of what we got on that video tomorrow we're going to ask everybody to weigh in who's out there watching and listening with their comments and their their thoughts on this, listening to all the different perspectives and, and letting us know if that's changed your mind at all on this uh, on this issue. So we look forward to that. Talked about, you know, uh, the Philly, Secret Oath, Lucas training style, very likely to have run back on, you know, two weeks in the Preakness without a, a second mm -hmm. thought. One horse we know has been pointing for this race for since long before the Kentucky Derby is early voting. You mentioned before, conversation with chad brown saying this is not a need the lead type maybe even a little bit better with a target i certainly believe that with the way chad brown trains his horses you see how how they do it in the morning very rare that you find one that's just a true need the lead they they typically are, are very good uh coming from off the pace stalking and pouncing whatever you want to call it which which i think is the kind of trip that i definitely buy early voting might want in an ideal world um i'm concerned a little bit just about how much faster Epicenter looks. That, that would, to me, be the main uh, thing that I would think would be damaging early voting's chances. But, but, but what about you? I mean, I take the point that he's supposed to run a big peak effort, whereas, you know, Epicenter, I mean, maybe he will, maybe he won't. We'll see how he reacts to all the different things he's facing after such a hard race two weeks ago. Where do you stand from a wagering point of view with early voting? I think early voting is really interesting. Because when, when you do the quote-unquote quick handicappers look, right, you go, all right, second after the break, plenty of time to have gotten over that Wood Memorial, trained by a trainer who has done this trick before, right, Cloud Computing 2017, same style, a trainer also that gives the horses a chance to really finish their races. So even though early voting is very, very fast, he rebroke when Mo Donegal came at him. Now, unfortunately, uh, ended up losing by a neck, but that was a very gallant effort. By far, he ran the best race of the entire field. He was the one doing all the hard work, just got nabbed there. So to me, there's so much upside to this runner still from that handicap point of view, especially because he was just simply naturally quicker than all of them in the Wood Memorial. And then as well, that Chad Brown is saying, I don't think he needs to lead. Good, because he might not get it. If Armagnac is going to be ridden aggressively by Irad, then good, you have an option because he's not going to be far off it. Must admit, we have some moisture in the ground right now. It is going to dry out. It's supposed to be a warm weekend coming up this weekend because if the moisture was staying, I would have said, you've got to be close to the pace. That's what it's always kind of played at. at Pimlico. That's We did see some horses make up ground yesterday, thankfully, when the ground was starting to dry up. But in general, we know that it helps to be just a touch close. Now, I'm glad that the ground is going to be drying out. So that gives some horses like uh, Secret Oath a chance to come from off the pace as well and, and a bit more of an honest race. But so early voting, his running style, is exactly what you want in any two-turn dirt race. Close to the pace, that tends to win you a race. I want to talk about a couple of potentially interesting long shots, starting with number four, Creative Minister, who I'm sort of referring to as the, the, the wild card in the race. 
I was wondering if you could argue, you know, this is another coming back on two weeks runner, but this is one mm -hmm. coming back on two weeks after a, what I thought looked at least like a relatively easy test. Another one where I've seen different estimates in terms of how fast that last race was needs to get faster, but there's reasons why he could get faster. The added ground should be his friend. I think this horse could end up being a pretty big price. Let me do a little quick peek at some uh, looking at the international betting. 10 to 1, 12 to 1, nothing huge, mm -hmm. uh, probably a hold at that price. But uh, I don't know, one that could get lost on the day, who I think is a little bit, uh, at least a little bit interesting. What can you tell us about this horse? Well, of course, Kenny McPeak is the one to be firing big shots like he did in 2020 with Swiss Skydiver. I remember talking with him and he was saying, we're here to slay elephants, not mice. We're here to take on the big boys. They supplemented Creative Minister for 150000 plus a couple more uh, grand in terms of entry fees as well. So no minor feed in. Hence, in my books, that signifies that Creative Minister's camp is very confident going into this because why else would you be putting up uh, quite a bit of your own money? I looked at that race, uh, the allowance race uh, at Churchill Downs. Uh, I, was, I was there that day, which was which was fun, but it's better to, to watch it back. Like you see it, it's kind of quick. He jumped up at the start. That's what I noticed and ends up just sitting behind the leaders comfortably in the end. I do think he has naturally a little bit more speed than what we saw that day because he didn't break as cleanly as you would have hoped. Fans wide and just charges down much the best. They're much improved performance. Best at a couple decent enough horses in there. Of course, no world beaters like what you would have seen in the Kentucky Derby. So in terms of his class level, is going to be taking on the big boys here, especially what we said, Epicenter, the Kentucky Oaks winner. But that was a welcome improvement for Creative Minister. Such an improvement that they're taking a shot here. And when you look at his pace figures, he, he jumped up significantly to that 92 buyer. Is he interesting at that 92 with possible improvement? Yes. Do I see him winning? No. Skippy so I think that kind of shows it. Yeah, that, that, that makes sense. You can respect it, but you're not necessarily on board. Skippy Longstocking will be a bigger price and is another one that I'm a little bit interested in. And this is a, a form play as much as anything else with the mm -hmm. Wood Memorial form line looking like a pretty solid form line um, with, uh, you know, Zandon. And, and Modonigal didn't exactly run badly either. If you could, when you consider the ground lost in the Kentucky Derby, this horse was third in there with a trip steadied at one point had to go wide. Another one. I mean, I could say the same thing about a few of these horses doesn't look is, is not, we'll just go ahead and say it is not fast enough to beat the a game epicenter, but putting the going beyond the quick look at the PPs and putting a real um, handicapper form studiers hat on, I think could be a little bit interesting to get somewhere at a big price, just, just based on form and, and the fact that the, this one ha has also had some time to continue to develop. And, and, you know, a month can mean a lot with a, with a three-year-old. Has this one been on your, on your radar? He can kind of, it feels a little bit like a tight that would sneak up on you in third or fourth. Uh, of course, we're looking at an eight-word field, so that's probably already an easier feat to do. Skippy Long, sure. so I was looking at that race. Do you still think that the only one I really want out of there is early voting because he just ran the best race of the entire field? So I'm still much more on board with early voting than I am with Skippy Longs, which unfortunately is kind of the obvious thing that most people are going to see. Like you said, had a little bit of a trip, but not that bad from what I saw. He just didn't accelerate enough belatedly. So in my books, has to either be closer to really make a dent or really start turning those propellers on. And look, he's well exposed. I just don't really see him jumping up enough to make a dent against the likes of Epicenter and early voting. That's an interesting point about him being exposed, having all those career starts. I will sometimes forgive that with a young three-year-old who, mm -hmm. from whom I see signs of improvement. I mentioned Zandon as part of the Wood form line. That's actually going back to the intersecting form lines from the Remsen. And it's really based on Mo Donegal running well that I was talking about the wood form uh, and what Zandon's done, you know, ha has, uh, has reflected on that form with his subsequent achievements that I was attempting to express there. Yeah. We've almost <laughs> gone through them all and we've got a couple of minutes left. So very quickly, let's touch on simplification runner who ran a very big race in the Kentucky Derby to be fourth. I feel like he was flattered and I feel like he's got a very different situation here. He'll be sharp. He'll be finishing, uh, but another one for me, I think the ceiling would probably be a third or a fourth. Am I maybe underestimating him? No, I agree with you there. Although I did speak with trainer Antonio Sano this morning. He's quite 
bullish. I said, oh, you're, you know, you're getting your Hall of Famer jo Johnny Velasquez to, to come on board. You know, Johnny wants to win one. He's been second three times now, of course, closest in 2020 by that small margin with Authentic versus Swiss Skydiver. And Antonio answered going, yes, he will get his win this year. So I'm like, okay, all right. I like, I like the confidence. <laughs> he said that they figured out simplification a little bit better now uh, in the Florida Derby they ended up being much closer to the pace I think they wanted to give that a go they wanted to see how he would react to being asked to be much closer and he came back saying that doesn't work for him we need him to be allowed to find his own stride he's gonna probably sit mid-pack that's what he already suggested this morning and then he's gonna come with a run belatedly and I know that Johnny V will be an expert at timing that can he sneak up on you sure has to look he's consistent in his figures right he's just about thereabouts has has to improve a couple points to actually you know get get the woodland fast on saturday but i'd love for the connections for this horse to hit the board and i think it is possible the thing is though we do have a couple of horses in this eight horse field that we're saying they can win and there's a couple of horses that we're saying they can hit the board so i think you want to be betting accordingly to that as well and look for the value if you think that they're good enough to hit the board happy jack will be the longest shot in the field um i'm pretty confident in that though i guess it's not necessarily true given how he was this horse was better i mean his his trainer was describing him as a you know a, a, a good shot but a, a good 50 to one shot basically going into the derby and <laughs> the horse 20 to one everybody knows somebody named jack so i guess that has something to do with it maybe he'll be over bet again um yeah, I was uh, curious that they decided to proceed with this horse, um, but you know they're 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 taking a shot, and as we saw in the Kentucky Derby, those shots sometimes go in. Um, what do you make of Happy Jack? Well, and apparently Tiny Gaffion is supposed to take the ride as well, who's of course one from one in the Preakness with War of Will in 2019. That certainly helps. I think Happy Jack was supposed to be named after former assistant to Doug O'Neill, Jack Sisterson, who's now of course the main trainer for Calumet Farm, owner and breeder this runner here so that's a little uh, cute backstory blinkers go back on now they took the blinkers off in the kentucky derby trying to see if that would give him that kind of boost reverses form if you will didn't work uh, clearly as we saw the results and uh, doug o'neill mentioned as well blinkers go back on he's a grinder as coined by the o'neill camp themselves needs to be closer to land the blow and they hope that the blinkers is going are going to do the trick i just i just don't think he's fast enough i'm afraid he hasn't shown it to me yet yeah, I, I, I agree. Um, you know, connections will hopefully have a, a nice day out. We'll see what this horse can be. And I have heard the story about him being um, named after Jack instead, but I can't shake the idea that it's a, and this reference is before your time, Naomi, but, but a hunch play for fans of the who. I don't imagine you, you heard much of the who growing up. No, no, I have no clue. What well, is that a TV series? <laughs> That's Dr. Who. This is the oh, who. Okay, yeah. awesome song called happy Jack, but you, you can, you know, you, Check it out later. You'll enjoy it. Before my time. You're doing a Ron Flatter on me here. He did that too with like a gazillion references and I'm sitting there going, I'm sorry, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, but you know, we'll get you, we'll start quizzing him on uh, on Holland football and you'll you'll put him to shame. So, you know, it's- Exactly. It's, it cuts both ways. So, all right, Naomi, this is great. We're going to see you many, hopefully two other times, actually more than that, if you include the party, lots of stuff from you. Anybody who wants the latest news and a real window to what's going on at Pimlico, be following Naomi on Twitter at Naomi Tucker. That's T-U-K-K-E-R. We'll talk soon. Hey, talk soon. All right, good stuff. And we can segue directly into the next segment on the show. We have with us Tyler Rosco from St. Anita First Racing, who is uh, here to join us now. How are things, Tyler? Everything's great, Pete. Just getting ready to head out to Pimlico myself in a couple days. Oh, fantastic. That's great that you're going to be there. I know that there is a contest folks very excited about on the heels of your Kentucky Derby contest that was a big success. The Preakness Challenge is coming up. What can you tell me about uh, how folks can get involved, what the race uh, what the races available are going to be, all that good stuff. Awesome. So for Preakness, it's going to be a little bit different. It's going to be at Santa Anita as well and on ExpressBet. So unfortunately, due to some technical issues, we cannot host it on site at Preakness itself in Pimlico. But you can play on ExpressBet or at Santa Anita. So for the tournament, it's a $1,500 buy-in tournament, or you can earn your way in. I know a handful of people already have on horse tourneys. 
We also have two feeders leading up to the tournament on the 19th and the 20th. So that's on Thursday and Friday of this week. $80 feeders on ExpressBet. That one for every 50 entries gets a seat into our Preakness tournament. Um, the tournament will offer prizes to Breeders' Cup Betting Challenge, 10000 value prize right there, uh, NHC seats, along with Pegasus World Cup Betting Championship seats. And also, obviously, cash. So if you have some strong opinions and you want to create a little more value to them, definitely play in the tournament. It's a lot of fun that way. You make a great point about being able to qualify on Express Bet and on horse journeys. For folks looking to buy in directly, remind us to buy in and tell us the best website to go to to make sure that folks can have their seats secured. Absolutely. So the best way to do it would be to go to either Sanity website or ExpressBet's website, expressbet.com forward slash tourneys. If you go to Sanania's website, you could go in, you could play with credit card, and you could select whether you're going to play on site at Santa Anita or whether you're going to play on ExpressBet. And we'll be happy to settle that up on the back end and get you all set up on your tournament account. And how Coming does up, that... we... oh, Sorry. You go, ahead. you go ahead. Oh, I was going to say also uh, for Gold Rush or Gold Cup weekend, excuse me, Memorial Day weekend, we have a great weekend of tournaments set up. We have four tournaments going on on that weekend uh, via ExpressBet and Santa Anita. And also we're offering an on-track $5,000 bonus. So if you win the $500 tournament on that Saturday or the $1,500 tur tournament on that Monday, you could get a $5,000 bonus on top of your winnings, on top of your prizes. That's so great. we're always doing something different. Yeah, and that's re real reason to travel out to Santa Anita. I mean – uh, it's always great to travel to play in more than one tournament. We've seen that across the country. But then you put the bonus in there, and it just makes it all the more sweeter. Bring it back to Preakness for a minute. Remind yep. folks the, the allocation of the buy-in of prize pool to bankroll, and also let us know what races will be available. Perfect. Uh, so 1500 is going to be divided into $1,000 bankroll, 500 going to the prize pool, and – out of that, I, five races, you have to bet $100 minimum. So that's just a minimum five races, $100 each, and the entire bankroll, obviously, $1,000 to become eligible for prizes. And beyond that, we also have all the races available up to the Preakness. So if I'm not mistaken, that's uh, races 1 through 13. Any races after the Preakness stakes are not eligible so a double going from Preakness to the race after is not eligible as well. So please be weary of that. And yeah, that should be, those are the only minimums that we have for the most part. Win, play, show, exacta, trifecta, and daily doubles are the valid bets for the only tournament. Only Pimlico, just to clarify that, only Pimlico races. So the Santa Anita stuff only card is not in. It's just, you can focus on Baltimore for this one, just like you did with the Derby contest. Yes, absolutely. What kind of feedback did you get on the Derby contest this year? How many players and, and what are your expectations for this weekend? We got a decent amount. I forgot. I think it's about 118, I want to say, somewhere around there, which wasn't too bad. A lot of people fed in. It was a little more expensive. It was a $3,000 tournament. Um, the 1500 I'd say we get somewhere around the same. I'd say about 120 is usually my kind of my ceiling where I where I'm always happy at 120, and it usually gives a good amount of prizes for our players as well. Yeah, well, hopefully we can beat that number. I mean, it's a great thing. I'm so glad you guys have sort of picked this up and have these contests rolling during the Triple Crown. You mentioned all the great stuff happening on Memorial Day weekend. Uh, will you be back at it for Belmont as well? Yes, we will. We're doing all the Triple Crown races. So Belmont will be another $1,500 tournament as well. Pretty much the same format, same prizes for the most part. Good. Well, we'll keep folks posted about all the opportunities with our ad reads. But I wanted you to come on here and talk about some specifics. Here's a bit of a down-the-rabbit-hole question. I think it will apply to plenty of our viewers and listeners. If you are somebody with a first bet count currently, what do you need to do to play in this tournament on express bet? So if you do have first bet, you also have an express bet account. It's the same account. It works consistently between the two apps. So just go to express bet, use your same username and 
your username and password, and it will log you right on in. When you go to ExpressBet, you're going to go in. If you're going for the feeders and you're on mobile, go down to contests. The feeders are listed as contests because they're in a win place format. It's a $6, is it? I think it's $6 win place. No, it's less than that. $5 win place on five races of your choosing. So you're obviously trying to find the best value. And on the tournaments, you're going to go into the desktop page and sign up. And once you sign up and enroll, it will get you all set up. You log out and it'll, you'll see right there you have your normal account and your tournament account. And you can click which one you want to use. Perfect. Could the, that? I'm so glad. That's that's. E I believe that's easier than it once was, and it represents a real improvement. Folks wanting more from Tyler, you can find him on Twitter at Wagering Tyler. Folks have specific contest questions for you, Tyler. Where should they reach you? What's the best way for them? Twitter works, or you can always uh, email. You can email either ExpressBet or call customer service at ExpressBet as well. So there's an ExpressBet uh, hotline, I believe it's like, it's the 877 number. You can find it on their website and the customer service team will be happy to help you out. Great. And, you know, anybody who gets stuck, if you're our listener and you need some help getting in touch with Tyler, reach out to me as well, at Looms Boldly on Twitter or through the contact page over at InTheMoneyPodcast.com. Following the work that Tyler's been doing with great interest, really excited by this contest program, not just for these triple crown days, but for great occasions through the year, including these four different contests on Memorial Day weekend. We'll be hearing more about those. We'll be hearing more from you soon, my friend. Have a great weekend, and I look forward to seeing you in Baltimore. Thank you, Pete. Sounds great. See you then. In the Money Media are also very happy to be partnering with Lone Star. A few things I want to highlight about this Lone Star meet. A couple of player-friendly wagers daily. A player's pick five, 12% takeout, 75% of that gets paid to the five of fives, uh, or carried over, and 25% daily consolation. Cool way of doing this, uh, and a chance to get paid with four out of five while still having a chance for carryover. Love that. The Lone Star six-shooter, very similar specs. 12% takeout, and once again, you can have a carryover. You're also going to get a conso for five out of six. Also, $50,000 guaranteed late pick four every Sunday, and then two days to pay attention to with opportunities to win NHC seats added to the prize pool. Some of the best ways to get NHC seats all year are at Lone Star. One day you want to pay attention to Lone Star Million Day. That's Monday, May 30th. Six stakes worth $1.2 million and an NHC tournament with one in 10 odds. $2,500 buy-in, and that's all bankroll. The prizes are added to it. You can qualify now on horsetourneys.com. Also, save the date, Saturday, July 16th, Summer Turf Festival. Four stakes totaling 750K all on turf and the tournament with a $1,000 buy-in and seats added. To learn more, go to LoneStarPark.com. Next up on the show, returning guest. He is coming to us from Woodbine where he just nearly drowned in the parking lot due to some flash flooding, but he seems okay now. He's here to wear a different hat, his hat uh, that he wears from time to time around here for the, for the JRA, talking Japanese racing with Klaus Ebner. Klaus, how are things? Good morning, Pete. How's it going? Things are very good. We were very excited to wake up Sunday morning and see that uh, Sadashi is back. What do you got? What do you got for me here? You look like you have a prop. There it is. The calendar with the picture. Um, what an exciting race that was. Give us, give us your little quick recap of what uh, Sadashi accomplished the other night. Well, I think the big thing is just more of a redemption for for Sadashi. They've tried a few things with her. They've tried going a mile and a quarter on the turf when she tried the third jewel of the Triple Crown last year. Her pedigree and breeding suggested that she wanted the dirt. They've tried that two times now, and I think they kind of said, enough of that. She's uh, She is certainly not the same on dirt, despite the fact that her uh, bloodlines say that she is a uh, a dirt horse. But she returned with a bendage on Saturday, or Sunday morning, if you want to call it that. And she disposed of a very talented field of older fillies and mares in Japan in the Victoria Mile this past weekend. And you know what? I think the big thing I can say is the fact that as a handicapper, this totally eluded me. And one of our co-friends, Alan Carrasso from the, uh, from the TDN, he brought it up and said, well, actually, she's undefeated going uh, from a mile to a mile eighth on the turf in Japan. So there we go. I, I, I know I dropped the ball on that one. I wasn't uh, – I, I kind of threw in my unicorn and said, unicorns aren't real, but sure enough, she – up on saturday or sunday in japan and she 
she laid a whooping on that field, if you want to call it that. It was very impressive. And for those who don't know, this is the one of the rare white thoroughbred fillies. Sadashi, we've been following her since early in her career on these airwaves. Parents' favorite race course. She really does resemble a unicorn without the horn. And it was something magical she accomplished the other night. Uh, really, really, really fun and a great story. And then, of course, leads immediately to all manner of speculation because the race the other night was a win-and-you're-in event for the Breeders' Cup Philly and Mare Turf, a race that will be run uh, farther than her optimum distance. But, of course, there's been quick chatter on social media with racing fans around the world loving the idea of an international tilt, one of racing's great superstars, one of the most charismatic horses we've seen in a long time coming to the racing's, uh, you know, for my money, biggest event in the Breeders' Cup. But... I noticed very quickly the sharpest people out there, Alan Carrasso among them, Kate Hunter among them, very, very quick to say, yeah, don't get your hopes up too much. But what's going on here? Give us the, give us the lowdown. Do you think I – mean, we'll start with the, the most uh, important question. Any chance we see her at Keeneland this fall? I'm not saying there's no chance, Pete, but I to, to echo what Alan and, and Kate have been saying to everybody – I think everyone needs to kind of cool their jets. And if you want to see Japan, I know that the travel restrictions, they've, they've announced them, they will loosen. So your chance of seeing Sadashi will be to get on a plane, hop across the ocean for, you know, 12 to 13 to nine hours, wherever the, wherever the heck you are in North America, and that will be your best chance of seeing Sadashi. In my un honest and humble opinion, the connections do not travel very often, if at all, uh, you know, uh, the Mr. Kaneko and, and his uh, his holdings, if you will, as a racing entity, don't send horses to four jurisdictions very often. I think it's been five or six. You know, they have sent a few in the likes of, uh, you know, to the victory who competed in the Dubai World Cup. I know they also had a few others in there, like Deep Impact. Obviously, that's the, the most obvious one uh, that went to the arc. But really, out leaving Japan is not his thing. He loves seeing his horses run in Japan uh, on local soil. And you know what? The money makes sense to stay in Japan. So it's a lot of risk to not much reward outside of the prestige. And I think they really, in this case here, my gut feeling is that they're going to aim for the uh, Yasuda Canyon, which, again, may, may come up a little too soon uh, in a few weeks. But really, I think they, the goal for her will probably be the mile championship in November. And then from there, they'll, they'll kind of you know decide what they want to do, whether they might go to, to Hong Kong. Because, again, in my opinion, I feel that, you know, that the mile to mile and eighth is really her, her key distance. Could she stretch out to to go the the mile and a quarter distance? I think I believe it's mile and a quarter this year for Philly uh, Turf. I just don't think that's her her forte. She prefers a shorter distance for around you know, around a mile hits her right between the eyes. So I think that's kind of her goal this year. And I'm not trying to again uh, poo poo all those that want to see Sardashi in the British Cup this year. I know I do because uh, I want to beat her and bet, bet against her. Uh, but uh, you know, I, I just don't think that she's coming uh, stateside. I get it, but I will say when you cite those, you know, fairly high-profile examples of the connections have opting to ship out and run in the past, the dumb and dumber quote uh, comes to mind. So you're saying there's a chance. As listeners and, and and viewers know that that's that that's where my head goes. Obviously, you know, even though the Breeders' Cup Mile isn't the win in your in race, I don't I don't know if the Breeders' Cup has ever done this, but there's certainly precedent around the world for um organizations racetracks to, to essentially have appearance fees you know maybe maybe make that financial piece of it make a little bit more sense what i'm hearing for you just from a strict form point of view is as salty of a race as the breeders cup mile is you think she'd probably have a better chance in that than the philly and mayor just because of the distance yeah yeah i agree and i'll put my woodbine hat on i'll talk to my uh, execs after this call here and see if we can increase the purse of the woodbine mile and lure her over for september so that way you know, hey, everyone can see her at Woodbine, and then she'll go back to Japan in time for the uh, <laughs> That would be something. We're looking forward to promoting the heck out of, um, of course, Woodbine all season long, but particularly the, the late Queen's Plate this year and Woodbine Mile, two days we're very much looking forward to. But, boy, can you imagine having that kind of international representation? That would really be something. So let's just take a quick look. We are going to have you back on several times in the next few weeks. We've got some really important JRA races coming up the next two weekends. Give the listeners and viewers a, a little snapshot of what we got coming down the pike. Yeah, two really big races in the Japanese calendar, Pete, this uh, weekend as well as the, the following weekend. 
that being the Japan Oaks and Derby. So that's going to happen this Saturday slash Sunday, depending on where you are. And then next Saturday and Sunday is really like, that's the, the big one in Japan. That's you know, where we see uh, if, if Geoglyph can continue his dominance, he showed that in the first leg in the Century Show. So yes, lots of great three-year-old racing. So, you know, our Triple Crown is going to, you know, take a uh, second, second, the second jewels happening this weekend. But then in Japan, you're going to have some, you know, sort of flavor in between while we wait for, while we wait for the, the Belmont to happen in a few weeks. I love it. And obviously you'll be on here talking about that. And I don't know, production meeting in the middle of the show. I like these recap segments. Some After some of these big races, maybe we have you come on on the Monday, keep the narrative going. Let us know what happened. Maybe, I don't know, will the JRA let us show any video? Do, are they very protective of that? What's the story there? Yeah, we'll, we'll get it cleared. I don't see an issue with that, Pete, if you want to show a recap or replay. I think it'd be really cool. I just think that it's, you know, obviously people who are playing love to hear the preamble and the, and the tips. And, and you guys have done a phenomenal job, you know, both on these airwaves and over at InTheMoneyPodcast.com covering this stuff. But I think there's something to be said for the idea that w- we might get that many more people intrigued if they can see what we've been talking about. And, and we don't just drop the story. We keep it, uh, we keep it rolling er- early in the week. Uh, if you're game, I'm game. Let's do it. All right, good stuff. I'll be in touch with you about coming on later in the week as part of our Preakness Day simulcast show. And uh, enjoy your week until then, my friend. Thanks, Pete. Take care. That's going to do it for this edition of the show. We'll thank Klaus Ebner one more time. We'll thank Tyler Frausto and, of course, Naomi Tucker. want to let folks know that we've got some great stuff coming up this week. I told you about it before, but I'm going to tell you about it again. We've got our live show, 7.30 on Thursday. We've got this America's Best Racing Party on Wednesday night in the description of the show. You can find a link to buy tickets to that. Naomi will be there. I will be there. Should be a lot of fun. Check out the free newsletter. Best way to keep up on all the great content we've got cooking here at the In The Money Media Network, inthemoneypodcast.com slash email. And also, if you want even more, inthemoneypodcast.com slash plus. You can find out about our plus service, digests of all the picks on the various players podcast shows lots of extra content as well extra content in the free newsletter too but anyway you know where to go for that stuff and we hope you check it out let's thank our founding partners thoroughbred retirement foundation few bottles of whiskey left go to trfinc.org players so you don't miss out on last year's offerings couple of cool things over there you make a donation we send you a gift just like published television but with booze I botched that line, but let's just leave it in. Uh, friends at 10 Strike Racing, you know around here how we love to root for the purple and black. Get to see Marshall Graham this weekend. That is going to be a lot of fun as well. Most of all, though, I want to thank all of you, the listeners and viewers, for making these shows so much fun to do. That is it. We are out of here. We will thank Craig Gorbanoff for a particularly challenging stitching together edit on this show and all the fine work he's been doing lately. Our business manager is Drew Cotney. Our chief creative officer is Jonathan Kitchen. I'm Peter Thomas Fornatel. May you win all your photos. <laughs>